Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavides, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio, brought to you by Manscaped. The Weed Whacker 5.0 is the new product. Use product code Michael. With me this week is DJ Mark. Sup? I should probably tell people not to really use that code. We're not sponsored by Manscaped yet. You're giving the milk away for free, Bobby. (laughs) I don't think it's called the Weed Whacker either. I think it's called something else. Uh, Also joining me this week, get presentable. You know, that that would be a good one for you guys to have a nice beard bet against each other in which both of you shave before the completion of the bet. Honestly, mine's looking pretty good right now. We might need to come up with one. Um, well, we're, Mark's is looking pretty thick right now as well. Finally, mm-hmm. also joining us this week, he's back, Lavender Gooms. Check, one, two, three. It's Mikey on the dispatch. That's right, folks. It's going to be that kind of podcast this week. I'm making up sponsors, and Mike's doing fucking trucker games. Um all right, you boys. See, you see, none of y'all have watched In the Heights yet, so y'all don't get that reference. For my people see, out there I, that have seen the greatest in the movie ever, reference. it's it's from In the Heights. Okay, I, I, I knew it was a ever. reference. I don't know the movie. I don't know the story, but I know Mike, our boy, is giddy. He is giddy about In the Heights. This is a synopsis. Of I mean, in that's the also that's just. That's, that's all just what people say when they're checking yeah, what ah. we're doing right now. It's very authentic to the activity <laughs> we're in. So it, it did go completely over my head. I was just like, Mike, we already told you to get close on the mic and you're kissing it now. So we're good. Um, I'm basically making out with my mic right now. You actually you never sound bad. Mike has dude. never sounded as good on the mic. Exactly. You're right next to me. Yeah. It's we're in the same room now. Um, all right, kids. Um, we're going to talk about UFC 263. Most of this podcast, at least MMA portion, is going to be about the UFC 263. Um, I'm starting to really appreciate that, like, despite the sheer number of cards that don't matter, one of which coming up this weekend, the pay-per-views are generally pretty fucking, like, loaded and give you a lot of stuff to talk about once it's over. So there's that. Um, They've been delivering. Yeah. We're going to talk a little PFL. We're going to talk, you know, that's right, PFL. We're going to mention, I mean, I might as well do it now. The Bellator welterweight champion is no longer the Bellator welterweight champion. I mean, well, I guess there's a new one um, where Douglas Lima went down, got grappled for five rounds against Amasov, who's 26 and 0 and has 867 Twitter followers. So what's going on in Bellator, folks? Uh, we're going to talk about this Dan Ige Korean zombie fight happening this weekend. We're going to talk about Rory McDonald beating up Gleison Tebow, who's 100 percent a clean fighter, despite what Stefan's going to tell you later. Um, let's get into it. Marcus. Um, mm-hmm. Izzy Adesanya, Marvin Vittori. Um, they showed Marvin Vittori or, uh, in the back at one point warming up. And I mentioned this mm-hmm. to Mike where I said, Marvin Vittori looks like a man who's never considered the possibility that he might lose this fight. And let me Very tell true. you, my friend, that fight happened and there was no plan B when nothing was working. <laughs> he still doesn't think he lost that fight. No, he doesn't <laughs> he think he lost Let me tell you, his corner did. Rafael Cardero was like, because Marvin was like, oh, after like round two, he's like, so that round I won, and Rafael's like, no, you lost that round. <laughs> you lost that round. You lost that one too. Yeah. We're, we're losing, we're, we're, these losing we're losing these rounds. This is okay. But yeah, um, 
not a knockout or a submission, but really just a masterclass in striking from Izzy Adesanya and exploiting a weakness, wouldn't you say? Uh, I mean, I, I think it's a masterclass in his defensive capabilities because that's what I really think won his fight. His his offense, I mean, in kicking range, he did really well there. He obviously he smashed uh, Marvin's leg from the outside. Um, and I think the offense in that regard was really good. Didn't get a lot of work done with the hands. And it was, I mean, a lot of this fight was him defensively being better than Marvin's uh, offense. Because, you know, Marvin did a lot of things that he kind of needed to do. He needed to put pressure. Getting uh, Izzy up against the cage is a good call. That's a good strategy for him to do. Uh, really what he lacked in was being able to keep Izzy down. And that's something that we saw a big improvement in Izzy from his last fight where when Jan got him down in rounds four and five, I mean, he didn't really even try to get up that much. There wasn't a lot of attempts. I think maybe mentally he was just too tired. Uh, who knows? But in this case, you know, Marvin was able to get him down in the first. He was able to get him down multiple times in these fights, but he was not able to hold Izzy down. And that was a big factor that that played into Izzy winning this fight. Um, Izzy's movement on the cage, uh, both with his feet and with his head, um, you know, using lateral movement, because essentially what Marvin did well, and he did some things well, and in a weird way, you can see how a delusional fighter could think he's winning these rounds when he's not because he was the more guy pushing the action. He, I mean, in the sense that he was literally moving forward more often. He was taking center of the octagon. Um, he was getting takedown attempts. And I, the things that he failed on were, was to convert those takedowns against the cage to actually get Izzy down. He spent a lot of times in clinches where he wasn't Mike, successful in getting takedowns. chime in here? Yeah, just one thing I saw Mark said about a delusional person, you know, thinking they won the round because, you know, they were pushing the action. Does that kind of remind you of how Nate Diaz, uh, not Nate Diaz, um, Diego Sanchez with his pace, with his face looking like puppy chow won that fight against, well, who was it? Uh, Martin Campman? Honestly, there's a few of those Diego Sanchez fights. I was thinking Diego Sanchez too for a while there, like that type of mentality of I'm just going to outwork. I'm the one putting more work in. Really? Right. But the things, I mean, but Izzy, I mean, clearly in everyone's eyes, he, he won those rounds because, you know, on the outside, he was doing good work. And even in the clinch in these positions where Marvin, you know, these would be positions you would think would be as advantageous for him. You know, when he has a double leg, has his hands clapped under the uh, under the butt, he just didn't he didn't want to exert that extra energy to get him down. And you can understand why after the first round where he was able to get him down fairly early in the round, had him in open space, you know, Izzy worked his way back up to the cage. And then when he was there, he was still in full guard, which is you can't really get up from full guard. You need to get in half guard or to get your legs free to build back up to your base. So he kind of went for an arm bar kind of thing, threw his legs up, got to his back, got standing back up. So it was a lot of his defensive things that really impressed me the most because Honestly, at the end of the day, like we've seen Izzy tune guys up, you know, and we've seen him knock people out. And while he did good work on the leg and using his kicks, like I don't think he really had Marvin hurt too bad anywhere in this fight, but he was winning the fight. Did you think I thought and I might be giving Izzy more credit than need be. I thought around round four or five, Izzy was just like, I'm good. Like, I didn't think yeah. he was really like, I mean, I know we criticize guys for this, too, but I don't think maybe he didn't see as many openings as you'd like. But I think he probably could have pushed more around round four or five when Marvin's takedowns were getting exceedingly desperate um, and his leg was pretty beat up. But Mar Izzy looked like almost like he was like getting rounds in at the end, it felt like. like I mean, I, mean, I, mean, again, I might be giving him too much credit there, but I got the impression I'm like, he could probably put this in another gear if he wanted to. It, it, we've seen this with a lot of dominant champions, right? It's just 
to really go after a guy when he's not hurt, he's just kind of tight. It's dangerous. You know, that's something that you see prospects do. You see people that really have to build a name. When you're on the top of the mountain, there's really not a whole lot of reason to, in a fourth, fifth round, to be like, okay, I'm really going to turn up the heat and try to get this guy out. That happens when you happen to catch a guy. He makes a mistake. You, you're able to catch him with a, a clean shot, a clean kick or something, and he's hurt. And it's like, okay, now he's hurt. This is where I can end the fight. He never got any strikes off. And I mean, the closest he got, he, he Marvin fell down to a low kick and he tried to use some, some heavy punches there to put him away. But that it, those opportunities didn't really rise. So for really Izzy, it was just like, okay, let's just ride this out. I'm dominating the fight. I'm winning all these rounds. He's not getting close on these takedowns. And, and that's to Izzy's credit because in their first fight, it was the opposite. The clinch work tired Izzy out. And in the third round, he didn't have a lot in him. He gave up a takedown. He wasn't able to get up as quickly. And in this fight, it was Marvin that was that the gas tank was depleting. He was the one spending a lot of energy in the clinch, trying to go for takedowns that he wasn't getting. And Izzy was comfortable there. So it was a maturity in his defensive posture, in his defensive grappling, and his ability to get out of the clinch when his uh, when his backups when his back's against the cage. Those are the things that I really saw. Like, oh, these are big, and, and his stamina. You know, and last week I was dogging. Izzy, because on his countdown show, when they're doing their breathing exercises, he's always the first one up. But that being said, his cardio looked really good. He did not get tired in this fight. Marvin was tired. Um, and that's maturity. Um, you know, we saw in his last fight with uh, Jan, that really wasn't the case. You know, Jan was able to take him down, and Izzy didn't have those answers. And now he has those answers. I mean, I, mean, I think a factor is the 20 pound yeah, weight, difference say, in weight class. But I mean, Steph, I came out of this one thinking, especially when Izzy weighed like 133, 183 pounds. At the weigh-ins, and I, like after the fight, I'm just like, man, I'm not sure Izzy at needs to fight at 205 pounds. I get why we want to see the man challenge himself, but we really see this man at his best at 185 pounds, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, that's uh, that's easy. I think you know, um, you saw all the difference, right? Vittori with his takedowns and his things. What was the difference between him and Yawn? Is Vittori couldn't manage it this time, right? He couldn't really get the submissions, even when he got. Izzy down until, you know, what Mark was saying, Izzy has clearly improved, right? He knew what he needed to work on, but can he get that off a guy like Jan Blockowitz, right? Who's that much bigger? Who's, who's 240, probably 235, yeah. Yeah, you know, so <laughs> that's right. Like, he he went up there as a venture, as a test of skill set, right? He was undefeated, feeling really feeling invincible, right? That, him fighting Jan for the title was a heat check, mm. and, you know, it didn't work out, so... He 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 you know he did what you hope to see and going okay I'm gonna go be the king of my division right Absolutely. I'm not just gonna turn into Conor McGregor and only hunt super fights and forget about defending my belt he immediately went back down and is like all right who's the most credible contender so you know from a sporting aspect I respect him for that but yeah because I mean, um, especially yeah. especially because they were telling him like Robert Whitaker was next and then like he wanted to get a fight and he's like okay I'll fight Marvin who was I mean and now that it's over we can say he beat him five rounds of nothing but that was like. Marvin took a round off of him. Like, that was, you know, picking Marvin wasn't insane in this fight. And um, it was a real testament to him there. Um, but, yeah, he was coming off of humping, literally, Paulo Costa when he fought Jan Blakowicz. He's like, oh, fuck it. I'll fight this big Polish dude. No problem. Um, I mean, speaking of that, we, we got some good old ass grabbing. We got some, we yeah, got some squeezing. Yeah, we haven't got one of those since uh, Randy Couture, I don't think. Um, that against Tito, I believe, right, Marcus? It was it was a little spank. He yeah. did, I mean, you know what? I mean, 
Is he's done some weird stuff, right? Because wasn't there something else he? Oh, it, when he beat, yeah, it was it was the when he was literally the, the humped him. Thrust, and now the 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 bug ground. Well, hey, by look, the way, now that we bring he, that up, uh, Wally. Any team you play for, I don't care, but um, well, isn't Walid also Vittori's guy or not? Or am I imagining that? No, no, he's Italian. No, no, Walid is Walid. Walid is Figueroa's guy because I noticed Walid yeah. was not there, and I'm like, I hear Walid's comments about Izzy being a secret homosexual. Might have been where Dana White's like, okay, man, we got we're at Disney now. We got a Waleed. This is you know what Waleed's thinking though. He's like, see, yeah, see, <laughs> you're starting to you're starting to catch what I'm throwing out there. By the way, um, Steph, do you appreciate uh, Izzy hitting that UFC two push off the cage sweep thing off of uh, on on Vittori? real quickly? Two legs on the cage, push. Izzy on top. It's like Marvin never played the video game before. Um, I can't honestly. I don't recall that very specific move, but um, I, I know we're kind of finishing up this fight. I, I just want to chime in. Um, I did catch uh some comments Marvin made today. Um, he's come off it a little bit, right? Uh, he he's we we, we, we gave him crap for being a little bit delusional. <laughs> where he, I think he was at this point saying he's like, oh come on, couldn't you have given me at least one round? Like he's like, was it really fifty forty five? It felt closer than that. But um, he at least acknowledged that he lost, you know, and he's he's on to calling out uh paulo costa you know so you know he's 27 years old he's really not going anywhere you know um he has a really good skill set we're just hoping to see from him going forward is get finishes now right because he kind of got this title fight off of a grinding but dominating decision right and it seemed like that was his only hope was to try to decision is he he's got to kind of learn some finishing yeah, instinct his, now his whether he's chasing subs or actually putting people away with his hands yeah, you felt. I, told, I think I messaged you this where I said his style really doesn't lend itself to coming back in a fight either. Like you better be winning because if you're down three rounds with his style, that's the end of the fight. He's not a ten eight guy. Mike, um, he wants Robert Whitaker. He wants Robert Whitaker, and he wants Robert Whitaker in Auckland, right? Because the first because is he from was New it Zealand? in Auckland or Australia? Does he well, really care the, as long as in well, Oceania? No, no, the first one was in Australia, right? If I'm not mistaken, wasn't that in like Sydney or Melbourne? And yeah, that he, was, and now he wants it in his neighborhood, which is New Zealand. Yeah, um, and it sounds like October is what he wants to do. I know this first fight wasn't close, but do you see anybody else in that weight class doing anything? Now, forgive my ignorance, but has there even ever been a UFC event in Auckland, New Zealand? Um, I feel Mark Hunt was in something in Auckland, right? I, I why wouldn't there be? Let oh. me ask that question. Why wouldn't they go to is New Zealand? Is it big enough? I, I don't know anything about I mean, the stadium. I'm guessing it's a big stadium. It's like a rugby stadium or a soccer stadium or something. They, so let me ask this question. Have they booked um, – what's the name of his teammate? Champion. Volk. Volkanovski. Have they booked Volkanovski versus Ortega? Because if they want to – Do you have a date? Yeah, have they done that? Because if not, they have. Because if not, that seems like a good idea if you ask me. You put yeah, both of them – headline. You put both of them. Uh, we'll talk about their uh, teammate, um, Brad uh, Quake Riddell. Fighting, put him on that card. Maybe you put Kai Kara France on there too. They got enough. That city kickboxing team, they got some people. Um, I think it makes sense. So Paul yeah. Felder fought Dan Hooker in New Zealand on oh. a fight night. Yeah, I think, Hooker is, I think Hooker's from there too. Okay. Yeah, so they they've been there, and it was Auckland that they went to. You got so, so they do man. have the cap- they do have the capabilities to actually hold an event. Then okay, Let's New Zealand is not as small as you think they are, and let's give them credit. They handled COVID right, so you know what? I'm <laughs> confident with them filling an arena more than I am when we do it in Florida in America. Oh, that's okay. fair. More more importantly, to that point, 
they handle Lord of the Rings pretty well. I was going to say, like, it, it's a small island, and like, what, 70% of it has to be hobbit holes and shit, right? <laughs> so I'm hoping for if I ever go over there. <laughs> Mike, uh, uh, back to the original question. answer your yeah. original question after all of that meandering, um, yeah, that's the fight to make. I mean, just looking at the UFC rankings right now, it is a bit of a desolate wasteland when it comes to contenders for Adesanya from about in, in two fairness, to five. He bit he beat all of these people pretty much too. Like that's, I mean, that's why it's pretty desolate. Yeah, why don't you go? Uh, why don't you go? Costa, Costa, Vittori, Cannonier, Brunson, Hermanson. Nothing there besides a rematch with Robert Riddicker really whets the appetite for me. How far away are we from Uriah Hall getting a title shot? Not that he's can beat Izzy. Let me be clear about that. But how many more does he need? They gave him some bullshit opponent too, right? They didn't give him like a real fight. Like they didn't give him like a big name after this, did they? I, I mean, if we get to the point that Uriah Hall is getting a title shot, we have gotten to the point where we're just running guys out at Izzy like we're running out women at 125. No, no, no. Put respect nope. on the man who has a win with zero strikes thrown, zero takedown attempts, zero submission Well, you know what? I, honestly, I was a little bummed. I'm serious here. I know I'm a bit of a Uriah Hall mark here, but like they gave him number 11 Sean Strickland next off of that Weidman fight, and I was really hoping we'd get Uriah Hall versus like, Cannoneer or some shit or Brunson or like I think he has a fight. I think a lot of these guys have fights lined up. Like like a uh yeah, Hermanson or something. I agree with you, Bob. Like someone with a name. Because Strickland is not like, hey, there's no one to, to scoff at, but like after a, a huge wide man, like someone that went viral like that, I you kind of think I thought one let's more throw him one big fight yeah. and then now who it's knows? two. And, like, now it's now it's two. Now it's he has to be Strickland yeah. and one more probably. Um yeah, Izzy's not going anywhere. Izzy's pretty young too, isn't he? Not as young as you think but he's relatively young isn't he he's early 30s he yep. is 31 he's, he he's older than you think nice. for how long he's been in uh mma so he's got i mean is he still got you know four or five years of doing this thing at least if he wants to um yeah but what happens when you fight a lot of people coming up man you know it's like uh when we got Oliveira down there as champ where he's fought everybody in this damn weight class three times you know you do the, you do it right you fight a lot of contenders on the way up but you like the Whitaker fight, Mike? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, Does he have anything for him? Well, that's a different question. I mean, we don't know how much Robert has really, you know, progressed since the last fight, and it was so dominant the first time around that, much like with this Vittori fight, where even though Vittori got around, like around in the in the first fight, we weren't really expecting much out of Vittori. We'll be expecting more out of Whitaker because he's Robert Whitaker and he's a bad motherfucker. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm actively um, excited I, to watch I'm, this fight. Yes. Even regardless I'm, of. I'm more there for the spectacle of it rather than actually thinking Izzy might lose. This is when Izzy did the dance too when they fought, right? When Izzy had the big dance mm -hmm. number at the beginning when he It was a very out. big, uh, yeah, intro. Yeah. I'll say this for, uh, on Whitaker's behalf. Um, when you, with his fights in coming off that loss, if you especially his last fight, if you look at what he's been doing, he's been mixing in his takedowns more, right? He's been actually using wrestling. He's been using trip takedowns, just showing that it's a part of his game. Because in that first match, he came out purely boxing him, and that's the worst thing you can do against Izzy is have a purely striking matchup. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to have the threat of right. Because look what it did, like look what Vittori did, right? Obviously, Vittori is probably a better wrestler uh Whitaker but in just having to honor it it takes some of the pop off of his punches right it takes some of the focus maybe he doesn't go for as insane kicks but that first fight you know Whitaker he was on a really great run himself so 
you know, he was just lunging a lot of punches. You know, I think we all thought Whitaker fought a little uncharacteristically himself. Mm. Uh, his hand speed seemed he a little was, He off. was going through some personal issues, too. Not that I, I mean, he didn't make any yeah. excuses. He says, Izzy beat me. Simple as that. But, yeah. I mean, he did kind of disappear for a little bit afterwards, too. He was it just wasn't some the best game issues. plan. So, yeah. all I'm saying is he has shown in his most recent wins a willingness to kind of add that uh, grappling wrinkle. And that will be an important key if he's to, you know, make this rematch more competitive. Also, you're coming off of 10 rounds of Yoel Romero thumping you in the head. Maybe you think you can't get knocked out. Just saying. Um, co-main event. We have a new UFC flyweight champion. And as the week went on leading into this one, I never more so... I mean, not never. It's happened before. But I very much hoped my pick was going to be wrong. Where I was telling Mark, I'm like, man, I want Moreno to win. I really want Moreno to no. win. No uh, one wanted to join Stefan in Flavor Country. Honestly, no? I, th I thought you picked Vittori too, but I knew you picked. Um, I know you picked Assassin Baby here. Um, yeah. Brandon Moreno, someone who showed up in the UFC when they did that tough of 125 pound guys, and like he um, he was also like number 16 on that show, and he looked like he was 12 years old. He still does. And it took four or five years, but now he's a champion, Steph. And um, that was that crowd was terrible. Let me say this, but it was Phoenix. There's a lot of Mexicans in Phoenix, and the way they embraced Brandon Moreno, and when he won, that was really a beautiful sight. Wouldn't you say? <laughs> oh yeah, I was gonna say. Uh, I, I felt like Moreno got the biggest pop of the night. Um, whatever it was, he got adopted. <laughs> like, um, I think I heard someone else even call it out. It, it's it's not just like that. He kind of came out of apparently on the tough season he was on that. I don't think I really watched. He was the number 16 seed. Yep. So he was fodder on the tough season that he competed on. It's not like he was even one of the guys who was expected to be anything. Um, he got cut from the UFC for a, a, a short period. Uh, it was a really short window, but that that's also when, when they, when they were going to dump got, the whole weight class, I think is when they cut him. Mike, that, you want to jump in? Yeah, that tough season, that was the one that had the gimmick where every 125-er had an undefeated record. And I thought they were all champions. Won, was it champions or undefeated? I thought they were all champions. And he, was, title shot, right? and he was champion of the Tijuana MMA brothel slash club. In T I don't know, man. Of like, his I mean, local Tijuana yeah, gym? His, he was, he was a champion of his gym that he trains in? Yeah, I mean, this guy, it was just nice to see, honestly. Um the, the moment, uh, Mike, we talked about it, when he, like, after he won and the crowd's losing their mind, he didn't really react. It took yeah, him he, a minute. He, <laughs> he reacted as if this was his 10th title yeah. defense. It took him a minute to realize what had happened, almost, it felt like. Like, like he was, like, dreaming that he was, you know, champion. Yeah, he, he definitely looked like he was in shock. Um, He walked away, and I thought, man, this guy is really cool and collected. I mean, he just realized the... A life dream here and he's just walking away like uh, he just found five bucks or some shit on the floor but then eventually you know the floodgates opened up and you saw him start bawling and then he gave that really emotional um post-fight um interview with with joe rogan afterwards uh it was really nice to see um we we've lost a lot of faith in a lot of uh the people we root for in in this sport and it, it was nice to get a little glimmer of uh, a feel good uh for once yeah, um, I mean, uh, if you don't mind me jumping back no, in, ahead, what buddy. I wanted to what I wanted to say about the fight itself, because um, it was something Mark mentioned. You know, we can pick fights he right here and there from time to time, and you know, sometimes we get it right, sometimes we get it wrong. But like, it's the moments where we actually call the fight right 
that you know we're actually a little bit more proud of. And I think when we were talking about this fight, you know, I think you gave it up to Figueredo that you know Figueredo coming off of that performance, like okay, he, he's going to know what adjustments to make. And why I was high on Brandon Moreno enough to pick him was I thought coming off of that Figueredo fight, I learned something about him. Like mm-hmm. he realizes he belongs now, right? Mm-hmm. And there's this elevated confidence and you saw it right he took center of the cage immediately he dropped him with a counter left i think it was in the first round you know like when he took you know his back he jumped it like he showed up to win he didn't show up like phase he didn't show up as the underdog like that was a fight which you know ultimately was a draw and you know is a loss if there's not that point deduction Mm -hmm. but like you know you really look you really love to see it where the kid is there in the deep water he's there with the best of them and he actually is like oh i in fact belong you know it's kind of the opposite of dominic reyes who kind of fools golded himself into believing he belonged and then kind of has been free falling ever since that uh high point against john jones but moreno it's i i, I was just happy that my analysis is right because you know i i thought i saw something in kid but more importantly the kid saw something in himself right yeah you know like in the guys who really make it, sense of self-belief is everything, right? Like when we talk about Tony Ferguson's run, we talk about Connor, the power of Connor McGregor, right? The power of Nathan Diaz, you know, oh, we we'll talk about briefly. I got a big soliloquy on the power of Nathan Diaz coming up. Um, Marcus, uh, Figueroa's been your and my guy. Um, we love the way he fights. Um, he is too talented to, uh, to be this sloppy with his weight cut. Um... That was a rough look. I think I was... I don't know if you guys saw this. I was mentioning... I definitely mentioned it to you that Walid was kind of keeping him upright as he walked over to the scale. Like, it was the kind of weigh-in where if we were in Las Vegas, immediately we all, like, would have been like, okay, throw some money on Brandon Moreno. Um, He isn't tall enough to fight at a higher weight class. He is a 125-pounder. I was getting, like, almost John Lineker vibes about this. Like, come on, man. You got to do better than that. And I don't want to say he lost just because of a weight cut, but it was really emblematic, I felt, of him not, like, recognizing that he was the champion. Like, his whole attitude going into the fight seemed like he was unnecessarily emotional and angry at times for no reason about what was happening, rather than recognizing, this. I'm the champion, I need to go out there and adjust from the first fight and take this opponent out and stuff. I mean, what did you think about Figueroa's overall approach and what happened? Yeah, I mean, we've known that he struggled to make weight before, but this seemed the most egregious. This seemed like his toughest cut yet. And for the other times, it hadn't really affected his performance too much, but it definitely seemed to to affect this one. And, you know, you you don't want to take any shine off Moreno because I I think Steph's right. Like, and I noticed it, and I think a lot of people noticed it. Like, he looked like the champion in that fight. Like, he had the posture. He had the aura of the guy that was defending his belt. Um, And Figueroa seemed like someone that was kind of following suit. And was just, I mean, look, he throws big wing punches. You know, he's an action fighter, um, but he just didn't seem calm. Per, and, uh, you he, know, his, just... he had the same attitude as Vittori, I thought, almost, going into the fight. Like, these are the angry, aggressive guys who are, like, fighting with emotion here. Yeah, like. and, and they're, you know, watching the lead-up to the fight, too, they were saying, like, oh, Moreno was saying all this trash talk before, and he was all, yeah, he was getting himself all hyped up, and which, I mean, for me, the biggest, I mean, the fight itself was was interesting, and, you know, Moreno did really well. Figueredo definitely just didn't look like himself, but it for me, it was really Moreno becoming into his own, becoming a star. Because I think the first fight put him on the map. Because, I mean, before that, he really wasn't on my radar. A lot of the 125ers were, weren't. It was really Figueredo versus X, and we're going to see this guy demolish him. 
So to have the kind of performance he had in his last fight kind of put him like, okay, I need to pay attention to this guy. And it was a lot of the lead up to this fight, getting to know him a little bit more. And I think it doesn't take long for anyone to kind of gravitate because he's just humble, respected. I mean, it's just like he has an he has a friendly because like when you talk about other superstars in the sport, they usually have a chip on their shoulder. They're usually trash talkers, Chael, Connor, Nate. They usually talk a lot of shit. And there are some guys that are just genuinely like nice guys that get over like, you know, uh, Wonder Boy Thompson kind of has that. But Moreno, even more, he just seen and especially, you know, being kind of for me watching the countdown where he's like, I have my own office now with I can put all my Funko Pops and Legos. I was just like, this guy's just a big kid. And he's just having fun. And that instantly made him relatable to me and made, you know, made me want to see him succeed. And then hearing he's on the Spanish broadcast, um, again, I think him being able to speak English well really helps because it it gets over that barrier of the language barrier, right? Like uh, Charles Oliveira might be a really cool dude, but because I'm always reading subtitles, I don't really feel like I know that guy. But getting, you know, Moreno speaking the language and just being as eloquent and is just kind-hearted as he is. He's like, you just want to root for the guy. You just want him to succeed and win. And that's what makes this this win and him being the kind of the first Mexican-born champion. And hopefully, and I have to imagine that country really getting around him just makes you it just makes you feel good. So uh, that, that's what really that put is- me over. The performance was fantastic in and of itself. But the story for me was like, this guy is a star. Um, and and I think that was funny the, in the, the press conference because he was like, the, I'm, a, I'm a UFC star now. And Daniel was like, you win this championship, man. You're going to be like superstar. And I don't think it really dawned on him. And I don't know if it still has. It, honestly, the UFC, the minute they could put on a show in Mexico, they're going to put on a show with this guy. Mm-hmm. And yes. this is the Mexican star they wanted and looked for for years. Yes. And um, by the way, I just realized the championship he held before Tough was the World Fighting Federation Flyweight Championship, which is a local MMA organization. In Arizona, which okay. might explain I mean, some of the crowds. I mean, I don't know how many people there went to those chat, but one thing. So, so it's not a championship with you know Tijuana whores as you put at the beginning of. This. <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. no, just, there, there isn't a fucking donkey show picture on the belt. No, okay, that's not what's going on. What, what I kind of want to wrap you know this fight up with, and just in general, what I'm really excited about is two, three years ago, this division was dead. We were like. Henry just won that. He, even he said, like, I'm going to win this belt and I'm killing this division. I'm going to go up and fight at uh, 35. And it's just so... And you have to give some credit to Figueredo, who definitely, I mean, for us hardcore fans, put a little... Injected a little bit of life into it. And now you have uh, Moreno, who's, like, not only just a good fighter that hopefully can hold that belt, but he's, like, he is a star. And that's what this division is needed. And Figueredo really wasn't that. He was an exciting fighter for the hardcore fans to get behind because he's dropping dudes and he has exciting fights. But this division needed a star. And let it's me, taken let, a long time. But let me tell you, there. my friend, this, what happened, what, what do I talk about the next fight? Nate Diaz being on this card was big for the other people on this card. In general, not for Leon Edwards. For sure. It didn't go well for Leon Edwards. We'll talk about that in a moment. But I saw so much national sports media talking about Nate Diaz today. And all those people saw Brandon Moreno and Izzy Adesanya. And Izzy was already a big deal. But Brandon being sandwiched between one of the up-and-coming stars and Izzy and literally one of probably two superstars. I mean, Nate's a goddamn superstar, which is amazing. He doesn't win fights. This was really big for Brandon Moreno. And um, you talked about this division. Yeah, where we came from was like Mighty Mouse, who has who's the greatest champion UFC's ever had in terms of numbers, ran through it. They wanted him to move up. He's like, you got to pay me, right? No, they shipped him to Asia. Then Henry Cejudo knocks him and knocks knocking fools out. 
All right, you're going to pay me, right? No? Okay, I'm retiring. Figueredo, fucking action fighter. Puts out fight of the year with Moreno. Doesn't move the needle necessarily. Here we are, though. We got a Mexican champion. And if you can get, traditionally, Mexican fight sports, a lot of the champions aren't big dudes. A lot of them aren't large men. So if you can get the Mexican community behind Brandon Moreno, this would be a really big deal for the UFC. Stefan, you want to chime in? No, it's just, it's just when you said that, it made me laugh. You know, we mentioned uh, the big USA versus Mexico soccer matchup. Mm-hmm. And I just remember uh, on the soccer, the Reddit soccer th- uh, thread for the game right after Weston McKinney got the equalizing header. Mm-hmm. All I see is a Mexico fan goes like, fuck, we're short. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I'm not a tall man. And I always make the joke to you about the uh, the mall near me. The Sun Valley Mall, which I feel like I'm like average height because everybody's Filipino and Mexican and goes yeah, to the mall. Yeah, I was going to say, Bobby, <laughs> I haven't been to Sun Valley Mall in like a good several years, but I knew the clientele were predominantly Asian and Latino. And I'm yeah. like, I'm a good solid height at this mall. Yeah, step, I step, am a good solid step height. Step one, one little, taller people. <laughs> a little tidbit for that mall. Uh, my wife, Christine, has small feet and they have a shoe store, a woman's shoe store there that has extra small shoes that she can fit into. She's like, this mall's awesome. And I was like, there you go. Don't be mad, man. The, the mall is just for people like me. It's great. Um, all right. I last week painted a nightmare scenario for Leon Edwards winning and it not really b- moving the needle. Um, and in my nightmare scenario, it was a boring 25-minute fight. Um, this went worse for Leon Edwards, honestly. And I it feel wasn't for boring. Him. It wasn't boring. Let me tell you, I feel for Leon Edwards because, Mark, Leon Edwards put on a great performance. For 24 minutes, Nate Diaz had nothing for Leon. Short of a maybe here or there, he was landing some stuff. But until the last minute of that of that fight, Leon Edwards was doing Leon Edwards things, getting takedowns, sound striking. No real interest in ending the fight, short of a cut. Which, by the way, when they tell you this fight, I, no one told us why this fight got moved until Nate mentioned the fight was moved because he got a cut. God damn it, man. We got to get Nate that surgery, right? We got to get him shit, this shit cleaned up. Yeah, I mean, Every what, fight, what, man. What's, what's funny is, you know, when we were breaking down the fight last week, you know, I obviously, I, I mentioned on the show, I haven't seen a lot of Leon Edwards. So my take was that he was going to beat him striking. And you're like, oh, no, he's going to take him down. And he did both. Like, he beat him yeah. both ways. He was able to dominate the standing, you know, mostly with his leg kicks, but also, like, just really good, solid boxing. You know, being the guy leading the dance and following it. You know, when Nate came forward, he had counter check hooks. When he was coming forward, he landed you know, some of the best shots of the, of the whole night, you know, on Nate and Nate just eats him Cause he's just that tough. He, he was, he, yeah, he, he, he's a very good fighter, but he's not finishing people and he's not terribly exciting for a lot of people. But then the fucking rat last minute of the round of the fight happened where Nate hit him with a, was was left, a straight. R- left straight and Leon was fucked. Like, and Nate pointed first, which he could have done. <laughs> God bless you, Nate. Don't do that. And then Nate, I'm standing up honestly, at my house, yelling. Nate is give, Nate is trying to take him out. The crowd's losing their fucking minds. And Leon survives. Is getting booed, by the way. People were booing him. Like, this was like a fucking WWE card. Like, there were heels and faces. It was weird. Um, I'm reading all of today how Nate Diaz is a fucking legend. Um, I sent this to you, Mark, um, about Ariel put a quote up, had a quote about Nate that said... Let me see if I can read it. Um, those la- it says it's from Ariel Hawani today on the final episode of DC and Helwani, which I'm sad, quite frankly. Good podcast. Those 60 seconds are why Nathan Diaz is a legend 
is the legend that he is, no matter what, no matter the circumstances, no matter the cut, the blood, all that stuff. No matter the fact that he was losing 24 minutes of that fight, he is able to win people over like that. The story of this fight is not Leon Edwards, which sucks. Because he's won nine straight or un un mm -hmm. unbeaten in nine. Yeah. Um, Kamara Usman, the champion, who was his last loss. Kamara was like, yeah, he doesn't deserve it. That was in fucked. 2015, by the yeah, way. Yeah, that was fucked. That's fucked for Kamara. Kamara was fighting Jorge Masvidal. You know, that's fucked of him to say. I get it, but that's fucked. So I'm re I'm listening. I'm, I, I told Mark I, I listen to the Pat McAfee show every day when I'm working. It's a national sports talk show. Talked about how much they fucking love Nate Diaz. Rich Eisen's talking about how much he loves Nate Diaz. I I really felt for Leon Edwards after this. I mean, I, I mean, beyond loving Nate Diaz and how cool that was to see. What did the poor guy have to do, man? Mark, what did he have to do to get credit? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, not get caught at the end and just completely demolish. And but even then, I mean, would people say like, oh, it wasn't enough? You didn't finish. No, Nate but this Diaz was this was so much. This was somehow. I mean, this was worse, obviously. Like, it yeah, like no, I mean, I, I get, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. I mean, for Nate, it's just like, for, from my perspective, it's like, well, he pulled it out of the fire because he was getting yeah. his ass kicked. And if he didn't land that, it would have been, you know, it would have been a complete mauling for yeah. 25 minutes. So, I mean, he, and this is kind of what Nate and his brother have been able to do their entire careers is turn losses into victories, right? How did I lose to, to, I don't know if it was Gray Mandard. Look at that guy's face. His face is all fucked up. Look at my face. I won that fight. And then like, and then every fight after that, his face is completely fucked up. He can't make that argument, but they, I mean, and you don't want to call him like delusional, but they have, there's always a way for the Diaz brothers when they lose fights. And a lot of them are, are super close to be like, man, the judge is fucked up, man. He's just hugging me the whole time. He's just holding me down. Like, this isn't a fight. Like, you know, he didn't really fight me. He just, I mean, he did, played the game. And that's one thing I think is really. Did he say What's he won? I mean, he didn't say he won, did he? Did he say I, no? But but I mean, so there's like winning the fight, and there's like the moral victory, right? And I think yeah. a lot of times they can find a way to have won the moral victory, where it's like, yeah, the guy might have hugged me the whole round and went and won the rounds, but like I won the fight because I hurt him more, or he's bloodier than me, which you know isn't the case anymore. But I think they're really good at at changing the narrative of a story and and to have people buy into it, right? Because a lot of times, whatever they're saying, there's there's some truth to it. You know, there, there's some truth. Like he hurt Leon Edwards worse than he got hurt that entire fight, which is hard to to when you look at fucking Nate and his face is just bleeding. And I think what's I think what is also kind of disappointing and people not get getting Leon enough love in this fight is like he was also kind of a badass in this fight like he did not only did he just beat the <laughs> shit out of Nate that, that was the best part the best part is in round three when Nate is his face is just fucked like he is bleeding all over and I think he puts his double hands up like you ain't got nothing on me and then Leon like you would expect because what the lead up to this like this is a nice guy this is a guy who came up from a really troubled past gangbanging past and, you know, has found MMA and has changed his life around. And, and for all intents and purposes, he just seems like a nice, solid. Oh, no. Mark froze. Puts his hands up and says, like, I'm still here. And he tries to give him, like, a fist bump. Like, yeah, I got you, dog. And Nate slaps his hand, which is, this is, like, the two personalities coming together and making it kind of fun. Like, that's such a Nate thing to do. Like, don't slap my hand. I'm not we're not we're we're friends right now. <laughs> But then no one gives credit to Leon. Edwards just give him the double finger. Like, well, fuck you then. Like, let's go. I'm beating the shit out of you. Yeah, man. You know Every time, like, Nate would do his posturing, so would Leon. He would put his hands down, kind of turn his back to him. Like, I can do this too. I can I can bullshit I, I, with you. Honestly, I felt bad. That's how I think Leon really, like, and honestly, I like how Nate, Leon gave Nate all the credit in the world when it was over. Yeah. Um, and then he's apparently Nate talked to him because Leon said, Nate, Nate told me after the fight, quote, don't let these motherfuckers tell you you ain't shit. 
Name your price or they will name it for you. So Nate's out here trying to give real advice to these people because, and he said it earlier this week when Francis Ngannou, where Stefan, remember we were shitting on Francis Ngannou last week for his stupid ass quote about what am I doing, what are we doing wrong? Where Nate said, it's not what are we doing wrong. I know what I'm doing. You got to, what is Francis Ngannou doing wrong? You go out there and you name your price. And not everybody can do that. Like Nate's got a following, but the man knows his worth. And like, yeah, literally like the guy has the attitude of like, if we, we fight until like, there was the joke that said, uh, like this week today that someone said they should have Tony versus Nate 10 rounds. And I'm like, that won't be enough. Let them just, they, they want to, they want to fight until those, the, the other guy's done. That's the end of the Hey, fight. hey, someone already called out Nate Diaz and multiple people did, but the first one was Damian Maya. Damian Maya wants that Nate Diaz act. Oh, yeah. It literally the classiest way. Cause Nate, um, Nate, Nate, Nate spoke very highly of him too. Well, God bless uh, him. Well, I'll let you know this. If Damian Maya fights Nate Diaz, we're not going to have to worry about Nate Diaz bleeding in that fight. You know what? Let's just do that in like submission Wait. on the ground. Stephon, yeah, they might have slap yeah, on yeah. some geese and we'll get these guys yeah. to grapple. So uh, where, where, where I really wanted to come in here on this is um about to go on a slight little soapbox. Um, You know, I hear what you're saying, Bob, but honestly, I reject the narrative of, and I know Nate Diaz will get his press. Um, That's a lot of clown casuals to me. Um, the people who will only focus on Nate are the clown casuals who are late to the game. You know, Nate and Nick, they had a lot of detractors. You know, we, we've been there with them for a while. It took a long time for people to come around on them. But what ultimately the reason people come around came around on them and why they're such stars they are now is because the thing that ultimately wins out and the thing that people always value is authenticity. And I've been really hard on Leon Edwards you know, picking him in this fight and then going all in on he's my lock. There's absolutely no chance Nate's going to win. And all the, all that posturing was just to be like, okay, I'm I'm kind of trying to flip it. And, you know, Mark, you, you brought it up a little bit, watching some of the countdown stuff, watching some of the embeddeds. I learned a lot more about Leon than I ever knew about him. Um, the dude is real. You you know, like, he got into his beef with Jorge. You know, Jorge, he, he's got a lot of street cred, but let's be honest, Jorge's putting on a show. Right. There's a realness to him, but a lot of it is just loud volume for the show and everything. And th- and that's where Leon beefed with uh, Jorge is, you know, because Le- Leon, he he's got his thing, but he's a real, real dude. And so I'm hoping that's in the long game. That's what's going to happen here is people are going to start realizing yes. that about Leon. Um, Steph, I'm, yeah, I'm, he, I think you're totally right. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but like my worry. And it's not that I'm like, this isn't me saying, I mean, obviously, I'm telling you how much I felt bad for Leon. The fucking welterweight champion is one of the ones being like, oh, you know, I mean, I know he, I know it's Leon. I know Kamara wants to get paid, but there's like all these fighters doing it too. That's what I don't think people, Leon Edwards isn't getting his flowers for, you know, to put it in those terms. It sucks. Not from his own people, from his own community, from the MMA community. That's but, what sucks. But now, but now that I'm on the Leon train, you know what? It, it's fine. I'll enjoy, you know, me on Leon for this is the world. You know, it'll be all the more satisfying when he does get there for me. The then man deserves a title shot. Be. Yeah, he deserves a title shot. I'm, I'm in his corner now. I'm in his yeah. corner all the way. I've been picking this I motherfucker think, for years, and like I I'm think like, the thing, <laughs> yeah. What's what's most uh, what's most upsetting, Bob, is all these people saying that he doesn't deserve it, and is like he has nine straight wins. What the fuck do you mean he doesn't deserve it? Like, okay, he had a little slip up. He got hurt in this fight, but he got the W, and that's what fucking matters. And when you go five, I'm sorry, six years undefeated, nine fights at welterweight, it's just like, 
Yeah, well, and Jorge Masvidal earned it? Look, because I mean, I know, it's just like, come on. I mean, I know Kamaru's posturing for a paycheck, I'm sure, too, and he's trying to get Colby to... And they're doing the Colby fight and blah, blah, sure. blah. But these are the names this man beat, okay? Nate Diaz, which I'm sure a bunch of people are going to be like, oh, he beat a lightweight. Okay, whatever. We're all sucking this dude's dick, all right? He's the goddamn... No, 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 Bob. We all saw Nate Diaz having traps all of a sudden at the weigh-ins. This, <laughs> like, this guy's going Nate back Diaz to 55? Fucking, fucking forget yeah. about it. <laughs> um... Bilal Muhammad, he won that. That wasn't even close. I mean, no con is my ass. Rafael Dos Anjos, Gunnar Nelson, Donald Cerrone, Peter Sabata, Brian Barbarina, Vicente Luque, Albert Tumanov, Dominic Waters, who wasn't bad. He beat him too. Um, he lost to Kamara Usman. He's, what do you want from the man? Like, who, who, is the, who is this welterweight he needs to beat to make it? Do you want him to fight Colby? Does he need to fight Colby? Then do that. Like, make the, make, book him a fight then. And, yeah, um, he deserves a title shot. I don't think he needs to sit and wait for seven months. If they want to give him a fight against Mike, how, what do you think about him fighting? Uh, let me look at 185. What's Gilbert Burns up to? What's Wonderboy Thompson? Thompson, right? How is, Gilbert, how is Gilbert Burns ranked ahead of Leon Edwards? The last time we saw Gilbert Burns, he was getting mollywhopped by Usman. Well, that's the only person he lost to, though, since then, has he? That might be why, in fairness. He didn't lose for a while either. If they're not going to give him the belt, that's a really good fight right there. Gilbert versus what? Leon. That's a really I think good it should fight. Be, I think it should be Wonderboy. I think it's Wonderboy versus Leon. Another, for the title who just can't seem to get into the title picture. So, yeah. I mean, we, I, mean we have... I think the Go problem, ahead. Bob, is like you read off, off all those names and it was like, they're kind of missing. He's kind of missing some big names. Like there's no well, these Burns, are the, these there's are the no Wonderboy, right Masvidal. Well, here are the or, rankings. Covington. Covington, Covington. This is from one down. Covington, Covington still won, huh? Who did he beat? Did he, he have one beat win? Tyron Woodley. Okay, fine. Almost a year ago. Covington, Burns, Edwards, Thompson, Luke, Kiesa, then Moss. How is Mosfidal seven? Jesus Christ. Mosfidal, Magni, Maya, Jeff Neal. Some of these guys need to go, man. <laughs> Including my dude Maya from this top ten. I think he needs to fight Wonderboy or Burns, and you give him a title shot. Yeah. If you're not going to give it to him right now, though, uh, Wonderboy and him, you're killing a contender on some level there, I guess, because Burns isn't getting another shot. This in this scenario, Covington doesn't beat Usman in this scenario I've created. Assuming that fight even gets booked, I think Covington's still trying to get paid. Like anybody cares about him. Um, Mike Nate Diaz is Jorge Masvidal next. Let's just put it right out there. Is Jorge Masvidal next? I don't are, we think, to see, are we waiting to see what happens next Jorge, month? I don't think Jorge is going to be next. I think it's going to be Conor McGregor. Um, is this a matter of Conor wins or loses? I think whether Conor wins or loses or not, um, between those two fights, the fight that everyone wants to see more between the two, it is it is the rubber match um, between those two. Um as we talked about ad nauseum, Masvidal has lost a lot of his shine and luster um, since um, since about a year ago. Uh, losing to Usman twice will do that, in addition to all of his uh, extracurriculars um, over the last year as well. So me personally, I think it'll be McGregor if you were to give me a choice between the two. Um, that would be the one. Um, at this point... Nate Diaz is, is looking for fights that excite him. I'm sure Masvidal would excite him because that fight wasn't going his way uh, before it was uh, stopped through a uh, doctor stoppage. But 
you know, I think the second Connor fight, um, I personally thought that it was very close. Uh, Nate could have easily have been awarded that decision. Um, in it, my one opinion, of the judges, one of the judges gave it a draw, right? Wasn't it a majority decision? I think Connor took two I, or three. I think it was unanimous. Um, but some of the rounds were pretty close. And that is also the highest selling pay per view besides Connor versus Khabib. I think it's going to be hard for them, Mark, to not pull the trigger on that fight when it's the biggest pay-per-view fight they can put together money-wise now that Khabib's retired, right? Like, we got to make that happen one more time, wouldn't you say? Just from a money well, point of view? I mean, I, I don't disagree with the logic, but, like, when you say, like, it's the biggest fight the UFC could do, so, of course, they'll do it. I'm thinking, like, well, they didn't do John Jones and Francis Nagano, so it's not like everything's set in stone because these guys are going to want a lot of money. Let's get one thing clear, though, Mark. These dudes sell these dudes sell numbers, all right? Unlike Mr. Jones. No, here, no, this is the difference. Stefan said it last week. Little baby 700k. This is this is the difference. Stefan said it last week. They're effectively Nate and Connor can be partners in this. They know what they're doing. Yeah. Francis folded quickly. It's true. And took yeah. a Derek Lewis. And I get it. You gotta get you just became champion. Nate Nate will take a year and a half off. Nate said he mm -hmm. would took the whole time off because of COVID. He says he wanted the crowd. That's why he's been gone this whole time. Nate and Connor have done it before. Well, they will play the UFC together mm -hmm. inadvertently, which is weird. Um, because I don't get the impression they particularly like each other, but I think they it's how they get it. shit done. I think though, they right? respect like each other. No, no two people understand the game here, for lack of a better term, more than Connor and Nate in terms of getting paid by the UFC. Nobody understands it better than those two. They get it better than anybody. So they can do it for each other. Um, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I, th I think either fight would be it, just as a fan, not not looking at it as a business or who's going to sell more or, or what have you. I think just as a fan of Nate Diaz, the Jorge fight makes sense because Jorge just got blasted, you know, and even though Nate just lost, he did not lose an ounce of credibility. If anything, he's gained more. Um, and then, yeah, and then the Connor <laughs> fight is just—it's it, always there, you know. And they talked about it for years, like like that third fight is going to happen at some point. It's too big if, not if to Connor happen. If Connor loses, I think it, this is—I think Connor loses. They definitely pull the trigger. It's time. Yeah, because that could be the catalyst. Because it, it, it also matters, like, what does Connor want ultimately? If he goes in there and beats Dustin, he obviously can get a title shot if he wants. And if his ambitions is to hold a belt again, then maybe that's what he does. Um, but if it is just to make cash money. He knows Nate is going to be that big fight they can do. I mean, look, honestly, they can fight a third fight unless even if, you know, even if it is a blow, even if Connor goes out there and just smokes Nate or Nate beats Connor super quick, they can do a fourth fight easily because you don't really need the credibility of like, oh, each of these fights were close. We got to cancel fees. Like, no, these two guys are fun fighters that yeah. make it interesting and fun. We'll watch it four or five, six times, you know? I mean, and that's not a big. I mean, someone who watches K one, it's like these dudes have fought each other like ten times. Yeah, it's I mean, like, who cares? I mean, like, Stefan, Stefan, I saw, I saw Jake Shields there. Like Jake Shields got a laptop to steal, baby. Jake Shields' new laptop. We can book that fight again, right? No like problem. Like the pro wrestling chant goes, Bob, uh, fight forever. Just fight <laughs> exactly. forever. There you go. Yeah, fuck it. Let's just set him out there. Um, Damian Maya Bala Muhammad. I really don't care about what happened in this fight, to be honest, because nothing interesting did. Maya couldn't get a single leg takedown. Damian Maya said um, he wanted one more. The UFC, Dana White said he's pretty much done, quite frankly. Um, Dana, uh, Damien's callout is to Nate Diaz is maybe the nicest callout I've ever heard, where he said, I saw your quote on the press conference, and I think you're great too. 
You're a great. It's like a goddamn like love note. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're a great. You're a great fighter who also represents jujitsu, and you're real. I respect that. Regardless of last night, I know I still have one fight left in me, and it's no secret that I feel like UFC is my home where I can finish my career. Now, I have no idea if they will give me another fight, but if they do, I'd be honored to do my last MMA bout with you. Someone who always comes to fight, who represents BJJ, and whom I respect. First off, I don't think they're booking this fight. That is that is so classy. I just want to say something about Damian Maya here. Um, and I know it's kind of a joke about how much I love Damian Maya. And quite frankly, one of Mike's early MMA memories is me selling Damian Maya as just New Hoist Gracie. And then Damian Maya got knocked out in nine seconds by uh, Nate Marquardt. And then uh, we almost lost Mike entirely from MMA. God bless Kimbo Slice for keeping him around. Um, if you you know who's got the record for uh, which Brazilian has the most wins in UFC history? Is it Damian Maya? It's Damian Maya. Um, Damian Maya has got the second most wins in UFC history, period. Damian Maya, you're not going to sit and look at this man and say, oh, he left a lot on the table. Or like he didn't like he got two title shots in two different weight classes and they were well-deserved both of them. And sure, he didn't pull it off, but he was a goddamn gentleman. Nobody has anything bad to say at him about him. There was that whole stretch where he won like five straight fights, landing a combined 12 strikes just by strangling motherfuckers at 170 pounds. I this sport is needs more people like Damian Maya. And if that was the last one, and look, Damian Maya is 43 goddamn years old. Jesus. Like, he's, I mean, he, you don't realize how many UFC fights he has. He showed up in the UFC at 6-0. and He is 28-11. and Not a bad record, quite frankly, overall. Just saying. Um, the sport will miss him if he's done. And if him and Nate want to, if they gave Nate that fight, I'm sure they're not going to pay Nate what he wants to <laughs> to do that but when damian maya puts out his jujitsu for mma youtube series i hope he invites nate diaz to be on a couple episodes that's all i'm saying because i love I mean, damian maya he's one of my guys yeah. i mean the problem is is like that is a sweet call out and it would in, in a just world they would do that fight it's just like nate's way too big of a star to do that and then you start thinking like okay well like what's a what's realistic What's Nick up to? <laughs> well, I mean, it's mostly just like, what's a realistic fight for Damian Maya's last fight where he could be competitive? Because, I mean, this fight, we knew, like, this wasn't going to be a competitive fight. His, his, his competitor is too young and too much in his prime for this to be a, a competitive fight. So, like, what can you make that would honor the the note he just sent to Nate? You know, like, who's on the roster that would make sense? And there's, like, nobody. <laughs> like, I can't. I, I was like, could we dig up Jockery and they do 185 and just grapple each you, other? You know like, what, man? what would make sense? His last, his win over Ben Askren, I almost wish that was the last one. Just because yeah, it was that such be a good. beautiful, it was great to see. It was him and Ben. I know Ben wasn't happy with how that went, but it was nice to see, uh, you know, we saw grappling. It was a straight up grappling match between those we two saw guys. saw two guys using their strength against each other to see who came out on top. And that's great. And I just can't think of anyone else that really yeah. fits that mold. I mean, I love Damian Maya. And I, Mike was talking about it when we were talking, when we were watching the Nate fight on the this weekend, or Mike said, there's so few guys I just unabashedly root for in this sport. And Nate's one of them from, I mean, Nate's my favorite fighter, period. But Damian Maya is one of those guys. And, um, you're right, Bobby. It should be Nick. Um, but, Barring that, I think we all know what the only solution is, and that's for him to box Jake Paul. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> oh, Jake, Jake Paul said he wants to box Nate, and I'm like, okay, all right. 
sure whatever buddy I, um, I was thinking if this fight didn't go well for nate at the end he'd be like well fuck this shit <laughs> fight jake paul and you guys could all suck it um let me tell you what's never gonna happen they're never letting nate out of this contract okay nate and nick are never the ufc so is not stupid yeah. Everybody likes to, I like when people bring, when Nate fights, every time he does, they bring up Dana White's quote where he says, Nate Diaz isn't a needle mover. It's adorable. Yeah, that's really bit him in the ass for the last 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it's bit him in the ass. He's printing money. All right, we got to pick up the pace. We're almost an hour into this thing. Um, the opening fight was Paul Craig versus Jamil Hill. Jamal Hill? Jamil Hill? What was his name? I apologize. I messed it up. It was like Jamal Hill. There's, an yeah. extra, there's like an extra A and extra yeah. vowel yeah. in there. Okay, so Paul Craig broke this dude's arm. And the referee didn't see it. Dislocated, Bobby. Yeah, dislocated. Sorry, dislocated. And then he was in a triangle choke, and his arm was flapping around because he had lost control on that half of his arm. That referee fucked up this fight. Um, I just put it in our group chat how Paul Craig and Hill went to the club after, um, and apparently Paul Craig got uh, Jamal drunk, drunk, got him real, got him. They got, got turned up. Um, I want to say, and, and Steph probably saw this too, to the lead up, like these guys had a standoff on like those poster signings yeah. and it looked legit. Like there wasn't cam, like those two yeah. got face to face and they were talking shit to, and it's like, and they had to get people around like, okay, separate yeah. these guys. But um, as the only guy who picked Paul Craig, and I've said many times how I just love this dude style, you have to give this, just take your hat off. Cause like, I remember when Big Nog used to pull guard on people in 2001 and that was considered stupid and mm -hmm. silly like who pulls guard like no 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 this is 2021 and this dude is like grappling like strike is not going well pull a guard baby and won the fight after pulling guard. i mean and most of that i mean uh i think jamal hill made an error there he should have immediately stood up especially with all the arm bars he was already trying immediately um uh, but i just I, i've been yeah. fascinated with this dude's bottom game it's it, you don't see a lot of people at high level MMA that are able to do the things he's doing off his back because a lot of times they get on their back and they get punched once. And it's like, oh, that I don't know what's going on anymore. And this guy gets yeah, it you done. Know, you, so. don't, you, don't, you don't expect random Scottish guy to be the one pulling guard either. That's the thing, too. Yeah. By know, the way, I like in the image, by the way, of them of them uh dance of I mean, them, them in the club. I especially like how they are dancing and nobody else is dancing. Oh, they're drunk dancing. <laughs> they're making <laughs> they're a scene. <laughs> Stefan, you wanted to chime in? Uh, this probably wasn't even any music playing when they were there. But um, no, two little tangents that I just wanted to chime in that not really to do with this fight. I don't think much more needs to be said. Um, you can't mention pulling guard without me bringing up the immortal Jake Shields. Forever mm -hmm. ask. That's the first thing I always think of is uh, sadly asking his cornerman, should I pull guard now? And Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> but um, I will say uh, you gave a little the ref got some flack for not ending the fight. But um, another ref this weekend in a boxing card, um, not any particularly known <laughs> boxers. Uh, he ended up decided to steal. He had a hold my beer moment because apparently uh, the guy got dropped from a liver punch. So his corner man, who is his father. Threw in the towel. The ref said, nah, I don't accept You're throwing right it in the out. towel. <laughs> so uh, what happened was that fighter who got dropped from the liver punch, well, he ate punches for another round and then got finished later. So he's like, you're not done getting your ass whooped. So uh, shout like, out I had to a that bet ref. This goes to the fifth, and it's going to the fifth, baby. Um, I laid some money down. Your, your son's got to yeah. make it another round, gentlemen. Paul Craig is ranked like 14. Hill was 15, so... Paul Craig, you know, you think he wins a lot of fights because you see all these triangles, but he's losing all those fights in between the triangles. Yeah, yeah I do like that. Paul Craig is like, 
I'm getting my fucking triangle in one way or another. I'm getting my shit in, boys. All right. No I'll, I'll say this for uh, uh, Paul Craig. Um, I need the Ross Pearson thing. Uh, I need subtitles for this man. Uh, his post fight. I didn't understand a word of what he said, and neither did Phoenix, Arizona. So they were just cheering his nonsense. But um, I need subtitles on that man. Mike, this is why we don't hire local referees, man. You got to get just because the guy's an Arizona referee doesn't mean he needs to be on the UFC card. That was that was terrible. I would agree with that. That arm was moving as if it had no bone in it. That alone yeah. should have been the reason why you stopped the fight. We, we thought he was asleep and his arm was just flopping for a moment. We're like, no. He's just lost control yeah, of his arm. I, I, th I thought he was, like, tapping and had, like, you know, been put to sleep. But no, no, no. Just yeah, uh, like, nothing connecting like you, that arm anymore. Because you got up to get a beer, and I'm just watching. And then you came back. I'm like, hey, what had happened, really, was this dude's arm was dislocated. Um, Good for them putting their shit aside. I love MMA, man. Only in this sport would you break a motherfucker or you dislocate a motherfucker's arm. Then you go to the club together afterwards. It's great. There was a bunch of moments on this card where, like, man, I love this sport. I um, mean, from the prelims, Paul, Paul Craig has no reason to have any animosity after that. It's like I broke your arm and tapped you out. Like, why? Why do I need to be angry anymore? Um, Drew Dober, Brad Riddell, just a crackerjack of a fight. Three rounds of just two dudes beating the shit out of each other. Um, I didn't know who won. When it was over, they gave it to uh, Brad Riddell. Both him and Izzy dedicated their wins to their uh, teammate. Who I feel bad. I missed the guy. I don't have the guy's name up right now. But I remember reading the story how their teammate had been killed. Um, it was a really fucked up story. Um, it's really, uh, you really it's, see it's, that. It's uh, Foul Vaki. Yeah. Um, he got sucker punched in the back of the head, uh, fell down. Um, there, I was reading into it. Um, it's a thing that people advise you not to get in street fights, and this is why. It's uh, not the punch that kills you, but if you knock a guy out and they hit their head on the pavement and yep. die from the wounds, that becomes manslaughter at minimum at that point. Um, and that's a case of what happened. Got sucker punched in the back of the head, hit the pavement, uh, died in the hospital from uh, his brain damage a day later. Uh, very just terrible story. Kid was 26 years old. Yeah, um, it was. It's a terrible story. Really terrible you, story. That that team, you really get the impression the city kickboxing guys are very close. Um, and um, it's nice to see just, you know, the, them showing respect for their fallen comrade. Brad Quake Riddell. Every time I see this dude's, see this dude's nickname, I want to make a Marvel, like Marvel reference. And then you look into why he has his nickname, and it's because, like, an earthquake devastated his city. Like, that's why. And you're like, okay, well, I can't say anything about this then. All right. He's, that's, that's there. That happened to this guy. That's a weird um, nickname to take. You massacred yeah. my loved ones at home. I'm going to adopt yeah. this name now. Yeah, apparently I, like, toppled the building he was working in or something, the Earthquake 2. I don't know. Um, and then finally, Lauren Murphy doing Lauren Murphy, Thorne Murphy things, beating Joanne Calderwood. I'm just going to ask this, Mike. Will the betting line for Joanne Calderwood, for uh, betting line for Lauren Murphy versus Valentina Shevchenko, will Valentina Shevchenko be a greater or less than minus 1,200 favorite? Yes. At greater least. or less. I would, it's gonna be, I, it's gonna be worse than that you think i think it'll be worse than that all right we are in demolition season with valentina okay and i expect nothing less valentina last time she was that high was against jessica i where she opened at minus she opened at minus 1250 
Oh, it got to minus seventeen hundred. Jesus. Okay. Um, she opened her last fight. Her against Jennifer Maya, she opened at minus seven fifty, ended at minus a thousand. Good lord, man. What are we? Guys, money in a minute. There's no money in a minute. We're gonna we're gonna call your guy your your buddy Sal. We're gonna empty our bank accounts, and then we're gonna take our sixty dollars in winnings and have a nice dinner. That's gonna be we're gonna work. It's gonna be it's just like a it's gonna be a, like a nice high interest savings account. <laughs> we're gonna, go gonna, you. Be, we're gonna <laughs> take all our money we have to our name and then take those winnings and go get a spedis for dinner. You you bringing up Sal just caused me to have a little pain in my heart because with an extra fifty seconds in that Nate Diaz fight, me and Bobby are two hundred fifty dollars richer. Look, we I told you guys what was going to happen in that fight. That was just to tickle you a little bit to keep it interesting, but I told you the outcome. In, in fairness, given another 50 seconds, man, that's why I was standing. I'm like, God damn, this might happen. That's why when Moreno won, Mike was just like, motherfucker. Because I was, we had a parlay of Nate and Moreno. And I like, know, guys. A lot of fights would end differently if you changed the rules for what they are fought under. A lot of fights well, would yeah. be different. That that that's, is how things we're work. Just, we're just asking for no time limits. That's all me and Mike are asking for. It's You're asking for thing. the fight to continue until the guy you picked wins, however long that may take. You, you, I'm just Mike, and Hoist money. Greasy. <laughs> I'm gonna, um, trying to get paid. All right, we got to pick up the pace here. Um, news that happened this week. Um, mentioned already, Douglas Lima lost his welterweight title um, in Bellator. Not great for the best fighter in that company, not named Pitbull. Um, beating, losing to a 26 and 0 Ukrainian, but the guy's 26 and 0. So maybe it was a snoozer though. Just taken down at will. And, uh, I think Mark would enjoy it. Mark likes wrestling. I think Mark would enjoy that dominant action. Um, yeah. Um, Clarissa Shields made her MMA debut. It did not go well for two rounds. Let me tell you, she was, she went to the ground and I'm going to give Clarissa some credit here. She survived. But those first two rounds, whoo, not great. Um, Let me say this. Third, I saw win. that finish. It could have kept going. She wasn't <laughs> really landing anything. <laughs> but um, anybody who wanted Kla- Kayla Harrison versus Clarissa Shields, he's, uh, we need to pump those brakes a little bit, folks. Pump those brakes because Kayla would maul her like a bear. Um, let's get into it. We're actually going to pick a PFL fight, which I don't know if we've ever done that before. I don't think so. Why would we? Well, ha- well here did we go. Did we not pick a Pettis fight or something? Or did we just mention it? We might just mention we just it. We're mention it because we never know who the other person is. So it's like, what? Well, this time we do. So why, we tell you so why are we doing it this time? Whatever. Okay. So you got to break traditions. Yeah, we got to break traditions. Let me tell you what's happening on this PFL card. First of all, Tom Lawler is fighting. And I'm just happy that Tom Lawler is allowed to fight again. Makes me happy to see. You know, he's can actively fight. Um, Tom Lawler's on this card. Antonio Carlos Jr. is taking on Vinny Magalhães. Making me hungry, Bobby. That's right. Vinny Magalhães, the last M1, or he was the former M1 light heavyweight champion. Those early listeners to the podcast might know that when Vinny put the belt on eBay, we were the leading bid for that championship title. Many times until they got pulled. Okay, we we really went for it. My little brother was all in. He's like, we get a real belt, like a real one. And I'm like, well, yeah, but Russian. He's like, I don't care. It's real. My brother was ready to spend two grand on this belt. Let me tell you. Okay, um, Cesar Ferrara, um, the former star star protege of Vitor Belfort, 
taking on uh, Mark's favorite fighter, not named Sam Cecilia. Um, Chris Camozzi is on this card, folks. Chris Wait, I don't think I've ever said I like Chris Camozzi. He lives adjacent <laughs> to where we are, but that's about <laughs> as far as it goes. He has a heart grenade tattoo. These are the big <laughs> selling points of Chris Camozzi's career. Not to diminish the guy. I mean, you know you what's know, fucked up? If Cesar Ferrara comes out and he's just like, oh, man, I'm hurt. I can't fight. we got a replacement opponent. In comes in Jacare with his one fucking arm, and he like, still no, beats Chris Camozzi. Like we said earlier, Bobby, fight forever. Chris Camozzi versus Jacare, eternal rivals. Um, all right, we're picking Rory McDonald and Glyson Tebow. Um, Glyson Tebow, this is his first fight at 170 pounds since UFC. Let me get the number right, folks. 65, where he lost to a young Nick Nate, uh, Nick Diaz in 2006. Glyson is far too short to be fighting at this weight class. Um, Rory McDonald, on the other hand, in the PFL, um, coming off his first UFC, his first PFL win, first PFL fight was a win over Curtis Millinder, a fellow UFC, um, former UFC fighter, if I'm not mistaken. Um, bouncing back from his loss to Douglas Lima in Bellator. Um, I don't see betting odds for this one. I'm not sure it would matter when I framed this fight the way I did. Oh, wait, I do see betting odds. They just showed up. Rory is minus 600 to plus 400 for Glyson Tebow. Does anybody picking against the water boy? No. Mike? Yep, because y'all are a bunch of cowards. Why are we even picking these UFC washouts if we're all just going to pick the UFC washout? I'm trying uh, to go. Are you picking Tebow? Because I took a bath last week, so I would like <laughs> some people to make some dumb picks. <laughs> Stephon, um, are you going to honor my modifier yet, Mike? No. <laughs> <laughs> Am I winning now? Am I winning now? Yeah, no? you're in first now. Am I ahead of you or tied? No, you're ahead. Who, what else did you fuck up? Uh, I, I went 2-4 and four last week. It wasn't great. What did I pick? 2-4? and four. better than me. Oh, did you not pick? You didn't pick uh, Lord Murphy? No. Oh, you fool. Oh, you fool. You fool. Okay. Oh, don't act um, like yeah, we okay. were sure. Lauren Murphy was a sure thing. No, it wasn't. It was a split decision, too. I <laughs> there was nothing sure about that. Look, I, I'm just going to keep talking about PFL until you guys watch PFL, because I like watching PFL. I on enjoy Thursday it. nights, man. It's on Thursdays. What are you watching on Thursday? What are you watching on Thursday nights? It you is on Impact. Plus too, right? Are you watching Impact? <laughs> um, I watch a lot of stuff on the internet, yeah. Okay. Um, we're all picking Rory. I'm assuming Stefan didn't. Oh, wait, hold on. The... Stefan said right. he wanted to put his his foot in the bear trap. Let him do it. <laughs> are you put, are you putting uh, your foot in the bear trap, Stefan? Nah, I saw nah. I saw a picture of him. He wasn't as juiced as I was hoping. I wanted to see a real vascular Glason, uh, but he he looks n like an old that man. man. That man took that two year EPO suspension. By the way, there's a little uh, since I since we're paying for fight pass or did. Um, there's a little. Do you see the little special to... thing on uh, TJ? That's exactly what I watched. Yeah, the, the man. Yeah. The man. Uh, let me tell you, accountability is not in this man's vocabulary. Well, he's just like you know. I fucked. He's really saying I only did it this one fight, which I have a really hard time believing. I'm sorry. Also, I forgot how bad he looked at 125 pounds. That weight. That Stefan. You saw those fucking like. He was skeletal. It, he was, it was skeletal. terrible. Yeah. No, some James Irvin. It was shit. yeah. It was like James Irvin at a uh, middleweight. Was it that he went down to? And yeah. Yeah. That was gross. Um, those Chronicle things, by the way, when they name it Chronicle stuff, I'm not sure if you have the same thing I were like, cause they, WWE has their Chronicle too, but it's like an hour and a half long in WWE. 
The UFC wants 20 minutes. This is oh, real this quick. Is, I just left the stream on. I, I don't know what's actually on these things. That's not a chronicle. That's, that's like a bookend. Like yeah, that was an episode of Seinfeld is what it was. Um, okay. Um, what's Rory's nickname two... nowadays? Isn't it Red King? All right. I don't I think it was. That. that was too cool. We all thought like, oh, that's a good name. Then he probably switched it to like... It's Red King. It's a Wikipedia says Red King. He, his, By the way, who was His first official fight as Red King is when uh, Robbie chewed up that face. Let me just say this. Whoever put in Figgy Smalls as one of Figueroa's nicknames, God bless you, man. That's that's a good nickname. I'm, I'm going to the Figueroa. <laughs> the Figgy Smalls for Figueroa. All right. We're picking two fights. Um, I think they're back at the apex. Um, Korean Zombie, Dan Ige. Um, yeah, I keep saying it wrong. I say it wrong every fucking time, don't I? Ige. Um, Korean Zombie's last fight um, is when he lost to uh, Ortega, if I'm not mistaken, right? Ortega looked the best he ever did. And can I say, he, there was the uh, very beautiful model wife lady of his at the fight. Yeah. They, he oh, that's a UFC, that's a, at that time. That's a UFC is she, fighter. Is she? Was it? That's, that, yeah, why don't you guys go ahead and Google Tracy Cortez. Um, right. Yes, she's a UFC fighter. Good for her. I think so. Uh, yeah. So that uh, wasn't that wasn't his lady. I mean, it might be his lady. I mean, she's also fights in the UFC. Brian Ortega um, is a very beautiful man. Dan Ige bounced back from that loss to Calvin Cater to knock out Gavin Tucker in 22 seconds um, back in March. Um, as I mentioned, Zombie did uh, Ortega beat his ass for five rounds. Right? That wasn't that was Ortega's. Like striking, like best performance of his career, probably right. Like he really showed, you know, some improved skill set there. I'm pretty sure we got to pick him here, right? Right, Steph. Uh, it's even minus one ten for both fighters. Double favorite. I remember you and I were talking how we weren't necessarily sold on Dan. I know you're a zombie guy. I mean, are you leading? Are you going zombie here out of loyalty, or are you a little bit, you know? Because um, zombie's taking some abuse over the yeah, years. Yeah, I'm not just wearing. I'm not wearing the shirt this week, and it, it isn't just loyalty. I, I still think uh, Zombie is still a step ahead of them. Um, EA, he's tough guy, solid across the board. Never really showed any finishing prowess. And granted, he did. But who did he get it against? I have no idea who that guy that he knocked out was. You know, um, Zombie, he, he didn't look great in his last fight. But like we just said, it is on the cusp of contendership, Brian Ortega's finest hour. That's the best Brian Ortega ever lost. And, you know, just before that, he was putting it to Yair before he Yair got the miracle knockout, right? Like, and Yair is another guy who's knocking on a on a championship. So I, though he's coming off of a loss, I don't feel like Zombies lost it yet. Like, it's just he may be now behind the upper echelon, but to me, Ige is not a true upper echelon guy. Like, by the way, we're talking about number four Zombie versus number eight Ige. So that's where yeah. we're at here. Ige trying to crack that top five. Zombie trying to hold on to his position. So you got Zombie. Uh, Mark? No time for analysis. Zombie. Mike? Sorry. Mike. I was muted. I'm going with Zombie. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take Ige. This is just because. I feel somebody needs to. to pick him. Um, Mike, you can, get, you can catch up to me right here. It all depends on Korean Zombie. Um, all right, co-main event. The 105-year-old Alexei Olenek, age 43, 75 MMA fights, 59 wins, and 15 losses, coming off of a fight 
where he got his ass beat by Chris Dacow. Before that, he got his ass beat by Derek Lewis, taking on a 26-year-old UFC heavyweight, Sergey Spivak. Um, their polar bear. Um, bounced back from loss to Mar Marcin Tybura to beat Carlos Felipe and Jared Vandera. Betting odds for this one, Stefan. Uh, Bob, you pull it up. I had to look up who this guy was. So I closed no problem. It for the, <laughs> the polar bear, Sergey Spivak, my dude, the polar bear. Take it is going to be a minus two thirty favorite to Alexi Olenek plus one ninety. I'm just going to lead it off. I'm taking the polar bear. Mark. Sorry, I also was doing some analysis. I'm going to take the old guy. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Mike? There's only one true polar bear, and that's uh, Pete Alonzo of the Mets, but I'm still going to pick Spivak. I was going to say Mike's Paul like, Farrell's, but... Mike, 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 you got to plan your moves uh, uh, tactically here. Also, right? also, I will say I miscalculated um, ingesting my sleeping pill. Um it's real Ten, rough. For it's, your, it's real rough for your boy right now. <laughs> <laughs> My, they tell you not to operate any technology and such after you take such a pill. Um, I just will say my only bit of analysis is uh, if you're like Mark and myself and you need to look up Sergei Spivak, uh, whatever you picture a Ukrainian heavyweight to look like, you're correct. That's that's what this guy looks like. Um, but I got Alexi. He's gonna get that choke that he always gets. He's we talk about Poland guard. This man's about to pull guard. Uh, re referring back to the sleeping aid, which one of you guys picked Olenek again? Mark and, and Stefan. Me and Stefan. Bring the old man. The old wrestler. Yeah. I, I got the young guy who I'm concerned if they look too much at too many of his tattoos, he's going to get kicked out of the UFC. Let me tell you that when I look at this dude. <laughs> okay. He's one of those guys. Um, all right. Stuff we like. This is gonna be. I, I'm just gonna be real quick. I I watched Invincible, but the guys all talked about Invincible last week, uh, or not last week, a couple weeks ago. Um, I'll just say there's stuff I liked, stuff I didn't like. Overall, I'm in interested to see where we go from here. Um, and I saw they cast a Captain America like character for the boys, and that made me very happy. Soldier Boy, going there. Sam. It is Who is that it? Guy uh, from that who is show it? I never watched. What? Who is it as playing him? Was it? Isn't it the the blonde guy from Supernatural, Supernatural? guy? I never watched yeah, that it, show, so I don't have that affinity. Um, it is being played by Jensen Ackles. That's the guy. Yeah, that's a CW show, right? Supernatural. Yep. One of those real heartthrob dude. Heartthrob dude got him in there. So, um, but yeah, Invincible was good. I uh, but again, yeah, stuff I like, stuff I didn't like. Overall, good time. Um, Stefan, you got anything this week? Yeah, I'll try to, you know, keep it not too long since we're going long this episode. Um, watched a bunch of things. Uh, I did check out the Bo Burnham Netflix special that Mark was talking about last week. Um, was chatting with Mark about it. You know, I, I'm not super familiar with Bo Burnham, but having like guys like Dimitri Martin, Flight of the Concords, right? I'm into some musical comedy. Um, so I did come around really liking it, but, um, was just really put it on a different level was, um, as someone who's battled really dark depression and really like rough levels of anxiety, um, that Boner, Bo Burnham special was triggering as fuck. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm like halfway through it and I'm like, oh, this is not what I thought I was getting into. Necessarily. Yeah, he gets he gets very real in between his segments, but I also love the comedic brilliance of just sharply cutting from them. 
you know um i will say uh, mark in particular i don't know if it was one of your favorites but uh when he's playing his video game and he's in the <laughs> room uh for sure that i was like crying during that whole thing i guess i'll cry again <laughs> like that was uh so good um i really enjoyed that uh loki started up this week um as we do with the marvel shows you're not going to go super into it um but i will say this is the best episode one of the three shows you know like i was pretty into wanda from the start but in terms of a show not really knowing what it's going to be about really drawing me in um shout out to me and mark sky eugene cordero uh playing casey the guy behind the desk um enjoying that and i told mark i absolutely love and adore the themes uh the the soundtrack of the show so far um that theremin that kind of old school like analog sci-fi sound um it's a really good touch looking forward to where this goes um and then on the music front i bought a cd this past week who buys cds anymore and who honestly even has anything that plays CDs? I have nothing to rip this music from so I can put it on my computer. I need to borrow some type of CD drive. But uh, my favorite K-pop group, Twice, got their 10th mini album. Uh, they got their lead single, Alcohol Free. It's a very like mature, mellow, bossa nova summer jam song. Uh, you picture just drinking, a, sipping a drink, like sitting by the pool, lounging on a lazy day. It is like a virgin drink, apparently. Well, they're alcohol-free because they don't need to drink alcohol because they're getting drunk off of their feelings for this person. You know, it's a metaphor for love, Mike. All, uh, all nine of them? Off that one person? It's quite I funny. mean, it's called... Mike, you watch anime. We like the harem animes, right? Who, who doesn't love a harem anime? Um, but, yeah. Uh, enjoying that album. Um, again, not too much else to report otherwise. Again, I I'm sure I'm missing stuff, but I'll catch up on it next week mark i like how mike's sleepy but not too sleepy to throw twice under the bus <laughs> I, know, I loved it all nine of them like that guy um okay uh so right now we're still we're still in the midst of e3 um and and, and honestly i've been watching a lot of the coverage and there's been a lot of cool looking indie games but overall it's kind of been a dud um and that's not super surprising it being pandemic, there's no actual convention. 2020 was kind of a little lackluster. I think, honestly, in 2020, that's when Sony left, and I think that took a lot of the wind out of its sails. But so far, like, you know, there hasn't been a ton of games that really have gotten me excited. Um, they did show Elder Ring, which is the next Souls game, which actually does look pretty promising if you're into those type of games. Um, and then I really dug um, Square Enix is doing a Guardians of the Galaxy single-player narrative-driven game, and I think that game looks really cool. Uh, Mike, get us something? Elden Rings. That's the game that George R. R. Martin is involved with. Yeah, he got tired of writing Game of Thrones or not writing it, so he's like, "Let me write this game instead." So, um, but yeah, so he, that uh, game is the reason that. why I'll never get to finish um, a Song of Ice and Fire. He, right? Yeah, he loves being distracted by other projects. Yeah, I mean, you can you can blame the game if you want, but that is the man being like, "I can't." There's too much hype around Game of Thrones now because the HBO show did so badly with the ending. I think he's just scared. Um, sure, you want to blame that game? I don't give a shit. Um, but it looked all right. And I think Guardians looks really cool. Um, they obviously took a different direction from the movies because um, they didn't want to just have a Chris Pratt up there. But it looks cool. It looks fun. Um, and then tomorrow is Nintendo is doing their direct. So very likely they'll show Breath of the Wild 2 and some other stuff. So, you know, it's not quite over, but... So far, it's been a little lacking, which has been disappointing. Um, and then next week, there's a couple games I'm actually excited to play. Other than that, I have continued to uh, play Virtual Fighter Five. There was 
one day last week where I had a couple bad matches, and I was like, you know what? This game might have just caught up to me, and the people online are just too good, but then I just smashed it over the weekend, so I'm having fun again. Uh, yeah, so that's all I got this week. Mike? Just like curiosity, which sleep? What, what type of sleeping bill are we talking about here? Um, I doubled up on the melatonin. That was a mistake. Oh, how many milligrams are we talking about here, buddy? Uh, I don't know. Let's check. <laughs> this is what Mike's um, like. This is riveting podcast material right here, brother. <laughs> each one is five, so I took ten. All right, right on. Um, Mike, now that you're half asleep, why don't you sing the praises? Of, oh, no, no, uh, no. I will not be doing that this week. Um, my mind is Yo. just, my mind is fighting just to stay awake right now. I need to be lucid. I need to be snapping when I give my soliloquy of in the Heights. So this week I, I will put a pin in it. We'll leave that for next week. Right. Cause you see, this is what we do, Bobby. This is why we're different. Everyone is talking about in the Heights right now. We like week old news that's how we do um mike uh for that for next week's uh when you post the video of the stuff we like just post a bootleg copy of in the heights on youtube and call it a day i mean i could just go to the heights and take some video and just <laughs> mike just goes to a corner store this is a bodega i don't watch the star wars i live the star wars uh, I, i'll put a nice five minute video of the, the dope fiend just like leaning out on a on a sidewalk we, we got a lot of those in the heights now actually um <laughs> One thing I will actually co-sign on Stuff We Like is something that Mark did a few weeks ago. I have ran through uh, The Conjuring 1 and 2, and I am about a quarter of the way through the third movie that just came out about a month ago. Um, the Conjuring, The Devil made me do it. Um, really, really enjoy the series. There, It's almost like full-length feature episodic movies where... Um, it's weird that the two protagonists, you know, they're not going to die because it's kind of based on a true story and you know, you're going to get Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, um, in each of the movies. Um, really enjoyed them in case you guys don't remember for when Mark talked about it. It's basically a, a married couple that go and, you know, exercise demons out of people. And it's based on true accounts, um, you know, take that for what you will. Grain of salt. Yeah, I know. I saw that face, Bobby. Um, by the way, I do like you didn't want to talk about In the Heights, but we're just getting deep into The Conjuring now. So, yeah, no problem, Mike. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I was about it. I was my – I'm done. No, he had like five more minutes on The Conjuring at least. <laughs> when I say I'm done, I mean when you interrupted, I literally forgot everything I was about to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, the Conjuring. Uh, one, two, and whatever the third one's called. I think I said it earlier. The devil made me do it. Mike just can't conjure up the, to finish the sentence. Bobby, let's move on. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Um, that's it for this week. Um, yeah. We really like the pay-per-view, obviously. We spent an hour talking about it. So we'll see where we go from here. We'll see if the Korean zombie can stave off Ige. Or we see if we got ourselves another contender at 145 pounds. These guys, Stefan and Mark, are going to really learn who the fuck the polar bear is this weekend. Let me tell you that. When he goes out there and mauls Alexei Olenek. Or he's going to maul him all the way into word. guard. He's going to maul him all the way into an Ezekiel choke is what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm worried about that myself. Uh, we'll talk about that next week. We'll preview the Cyril Gane versus Alexander Volkov. Mm. Car we will. 
Yeah, I guess we will. Cyril Gane, Alexander Volkov, fight. <laughs> um, until then, I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was DJ Mark. And that was the very sleepy Lavender Goose. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast. And don't forget to get that weed whacker if it exists. Peace out. See ya. Alawansa. Cheers.